This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria Tellez interviews Karen Trench, the author of Love Lost Light, Illuminating the Path Through Grief. Back in the mid-80s and early 90s, Karen enjoyed a successful career in the then-burgeoning cable television industry. But one day in 1992, as she was returning to her office after lunch, she almost literally ran into the man who would become her soulmate and best friend. For 23 years, she and her beloved husband Charlie lived a blissful, loving life in a beautiful log cabin high in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado until April 6, 2015, when he made the choice to leave the world and Karen for good. When she found herself a widow, a shocked survivor of her husband's death, Karen could not have conceived that she would someday emerge from the wreckage a strong, happy, and emotionally empowered woman. She shares her story in her award-winning book, Love Lost Light, illuminating the path through grief with a fervent prayer that it may be of service to her fellow travelers in grief. In addition to her writing, Karen is also an empowering life coach. She has a deep passion for helping women, and in particular widows, step fully into the light that is their life, to help them examine their belief system and reach their full human potential individually and collectively. Meet Karen on karentrench.com. Here is the interview with Karen Trench. In your own words, who is Karen Trench? Hmm. I love that question. Um, well, um, I believe that there are two ways to define who I am. Um, and one of those ways is more on the 3D plane. Um, so here on this plane, uh, I, I'm a woman. Uh, a daughter, a sister, a friend, a stepmom, a widow, a suicide survivor, um, a seeker, an author, a life coach, um, a lover of nature, uh, a flawed but loving and evolving human being. And on more of the spiritual level, um, I am an eternal soul. This is my belief that has chosen to incarnate at this time on earth in order to have the experiences that I'm meant to have or need to have to fulfill my greatest and highest purpose um, for the greatest evolution of my soul's growth. That's who I am. What is the meaning of spirituality to you? Actually, what is spirituality to you, Karen? Well, you know, I think that if we, if we talk about spirituality, especially versus traditional religion. 
Um, and, and I honor all religions of faith. Um, in my mind, I mean, any path of be- or belief system that brings one closer to their God as they understand God to be and is rooted in love, you know, is a very positive contribution to the whole of the human species. Um, but that said, you know, with traditional religion, it usually comes down to dogma. Um, certain uh, religions that teach uh, incontrovertible facts if, or truths, if you will, uh, some of which are rooted in fear and revenge and guilt and judgment. You know, instead of the unconditional love that I believe God to be, um, and those religions make no allowances for thinking outside of the box. And there's no wiggle room, so to speak, um, to enable one to explore the more mystical possibilities or aspects of our human experience um, or of our connection to source or to spirit um, or to tapping into the mysteries beyond the veil, um, you know, beyond the five senses. And I think this is what I believe is being on a more spiritual path. It makes room for the possibility that there is so much more than just being born and dying. Um, the idea that we are eternal souls, eternally evolving, uh, seeking our own unique individual way to do just that instead of a, a linear path, which is the way of most traditional religions. I believe the spiritual path is like a beautiful never ending spiral of experiences and exploration You know, we truly are spiritual beings having a human experience. I know we hear that a lot, but um, I think that's the truth. And it's a magical, mystical, never ending unfoldment, as we were discussing before, Valeria. How did you come to this understanding, Karen? It is beautiful and I love it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, I think that I was guided. Uh, I I think that um, prior to losing Charlie the way I lost Charlie, I considered myself to be spiritual. I was raised Catholic, Um, but I, you know, I was always seeking, if you will, seeking my own truths about my, my, my existence, my life here on earth. But it was when he passed so that I really got I really got a good, (laughs) it was the catalyst, if you will, into a deeper spiritual journey for me. And um, I think that it also is a matter for me of survival, Valeria. I mean, I, so, so, so that, so when you're, when you are in that shocked mode, that trauma mode, it does open your heart up. And I was just this empty vessel, you know, and I needed to be filled and I filled it up with because I was desperate, if you will, um, with a lot of books, a lot of spiritual, you know, metaphysical uh, modality, spiritual books, other people's words. And it formed my, uh, I guess, my ideology, my my beliefs. Um, it really punctuated what I had kind of felt before uh, this traumatic event happened to me. I have another question here I will be asking you is healing. Is there such a thing? What is healing to you? One. And then is there such a thing as being healed? Hmm. Okay. Well, um, okay. So I think of healing, um, I think of healing as an ongoing, an ongoing process. I think healed, you know, when I think of being healed, I think of it as external physical wounds 
where perhaps the scars can be, you know, healed over. But I think that if we're talking about the wounding of the soul or the heart, that that healing is something that is ongoing, that is, um, yeah, a never-ending process because so much comes into our lives vis-a-vis experiences, however we label them good or bad, that need to be tended to on the heart level where the healing takes place. And that is, you know, a never-ending, again, a never-ending process uh, of life. So I think our healing is something that is ongoing. What do you love most about being a woman? <laughs> oh, this is a good one. <laughs> okay, well, um, you know what I love the most? I love feeling connected to my goddess energy. Um, you know, the divine feminine um, aspect of my being, um, you know, living and expressing and creating from what I call that womanly place, the W-O-M-B woman womanly place in my soul uh, you know uh, from the joy i get nurturing others which brings me tremendous joy um and for much of my life uh, that's manifested in cooking and entertaining you know the masses my family and friends um uh the birds the squirrels you know all the critters i'm always feeding you know bird feeder um And, you know, I kind of imagine it's the same joy that Mother Earth might be getting from nurturing all of life on the planet. And maybe that's why I feel such a deep connection with with her. Uh, I'm a huge nature lover. Um, Also, I love and appreciate men. And and I honor that we all have both the divine masculine and divine feminine at play, you know, at all times. And I love and appreciate the interplay between the two, you know, that divine dance between the sexes, which is, yeah, which is lovely. Have you faced any challenges for being a woman? Well, yeah, I think I am sadly among, you know, part of the collective, Valeria. I mean, you know, that is, you know, as a collective over the course of history, sadly, um, you know, women have been minimized, you know, we've gone pretty much unseen and unheard many times. Um, we've been, you know, subjugated and suppressed and dismissed and relegated, abused. I mean, neglected, silenced into submission. I mean, it's the whole, you know, and yes, of course, in my life, in the scope of the course of my life, uh, I have felt that at times. Um, I mean, I still find it extremely hard to believe that women in America, for instance, are being paid 80 cents on the dollar compared to a man. I think it's unconscionable. Um, and I would like to believe, you know, that we're steadily moving away from uh, the historically dominant patriarchal archetype uh, towards the fusing together with the matriarchal, you know, the feminine archetype. But there needs to be a balance of both, you know, not one over the other. And I think we're finally beginning to experience sort of a paradigm shift finally, you know, that will bring us closer to striking that balance. At least that's my hope. And speaking about change and challenges, uh, 2020 has been one of those years, uh, let's say. We are going through right now, actually, still. What lessons have you learned from 2020? Um, They've been vast. Um, Well... 
You know, I have learned to, um, I spent a lot of time as probably many folks have because we were forced into this lockdown to go, you know, deeper within, to go into that visiting more of the interior world of our lives and ourselves. And that's been a blessing. Um, there have been some, you know, deeper uh, healing, you know, challenges for me as I move forward. Uh, but I at least, you know, was able to um, recognize that and address that. I think for me, um, the, personally, this was all about, you know, I, a lot of forgiveness still that had to be, um, uh, you know, both towards myself and others that needed to be uh, reconciled. Um, that's for me, me personally. But what I saw on a broader scale for the, again, the um, communal or the, and the worldly outlook is, is that I think that there I think that this brought us together in so many ways. I mean, there's such a sense of feeling connected, not only to our neighbors, for instance, or to our friends and family, but really on a global level where we finally come to this recognition that, you know, we're all one, that we're all in this together and that we need to awaken to this knowing that we, we need to be more tolerant and less judgmental and we need to try to understand and honor each other's differences, um, you know, on all levels, uh, particularly politically and culturally. Um, you know, we need to expand our hearts and our minds to be more all-inclusive and to treat everyone with more love and respect, regardless of race creed, color, sexual orientation, cultural orientation. We just need more compassion and love. And I, and I, and I feel that we're, you know, this did open us up to that, a, a huge awakening, a, a big shift um, to realize that we need to treat others as we really want to be treated and, and to truly love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that's on the global. I did a lot of personal healing throughout, but I also, I was very heartened to see on, uh, there, there were some difficult challenges for sure, but sometimes you got to shake things up in order for things to be brought to the surface and some truths to be revealed. Um, but I think that uh, when it all comes down to it, it's going to be a very positive, um, positive in, 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 in some, in, in spiritual ways, in a spiritual way. Yes, I agree. I think we are seeing that already. Yeah. That change mm -hmm. within us, right? Some of us. Yes. And how does this, you know, start, it starts with each of us, right? We have to do our own internal healing and work in order to then, you know, give to others and express to others and help others. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? Um, okay. Well, to me, to be free, I think, is to be able to express myself and to create, um, to have, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of movement is so a beautiful thing in this country. At least we have that. Um, I think very important too, Valeria, is that we always have the freedom to, to just be, you know, just be no matter where we are or what's happening to us in the external world. You know, to me, I think to live in the present moment as much as I can means that I'm freeing myself from my ego, which, you know, the ego 
is my wrestle with it all the time. It's always trying to drive my car, you know, it's trying to keep us rooted. It's either keeping me rooted in the past or, or fearful of the future. And I want to keep it in the backseat as much as possible. And that's the work that I'm doing every single day. I mean, there's enormous freedom in that, in, in keeping the ego at bay, but it does take constant practice to get it to keep its hands off the steering wheel, you know? I mean, if we wish to, you know, if we wish to free ourselves of the old untrue stories we, we, we told ourselves, then we really need to rein in the ego. So that's, that's kind of the, the ongoing work that I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. How do we know when we are there, per se, when we are finally being authentic and living from that space of authentic self? Mm. Well... You know, that is an excellent question. Um, I think that with that, you know, when you are living from your true, authentic self, you you, you just kind of know it. Your heart feels happy. You feel contentment. You feel joy. You feel at peace. You feel that one. You don't feel any um, uh, discontentment. Um, you come from a place of just pure, I mean, the word joy is used so often, but, but that's, that's the place that it resides in. If you're, if you, if you are aligned with your own truths and you are in love with yourself, which I think again is a lot of work, you know, you need to keep doing that work. If you can, um, get there you know, then you then can give back to the world and to others from that place of complete self-acceptance, self-worth, self-love, self-compassion. And it's only when you fill up your own cup with those beautiful knowings, if you will, that you're able to then turn it around. Once your own cup is filled you know, then you can approach your life and others with with pure authenticity. But again, there's work that needs, you know, this is not it's easier said than, than done, as you as you are, I'm sure, very well aware. Absolutely. I <laughs> often ask the question about unconditional self-love and it is a practice, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. For me. And, you know, it's like there's a saying, learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all, but it's also the most yeah. challenging oftentimes. True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Accepting mm -hmm. ourselves without conditions. Right? Yes. Yes. So how did you become a writer? Well, you know, Charlie and I had written before, Valeria. I always had a knack for words. I was much more of a, a better English student than I was ever a math student. And, 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 my, and my dad had a real fondness for uh, the English, the vocabulary, the dictionary. He would often, maybe st stemmed from, from my dad. I never really thought about that, but I think it probably did. He had a great love of words. He would get a dictionary out. And then, you know, and then he would try to use the word. He would pick a word and try to use it in a sentence. You know, he um, he had a love for the language. And I think that I just had this, um, you know, gift um, that I used when I was in business. I did, you know, a lot of business writing. Um, Charlie and I did write a financial newsletter. I did write a pretty awful um, book of fiction 
um, just because, you know, um, I also began editing an anthology of the 1960s, but I, I always enjoyed it, but it wasn't until Charlie passed Valeria that, and I explained this in this, in the book, which I'm, I know we'll get to, but I, I really felt compelled and it was through my therapist who brought me to this knowing that I needed, I wanted to give something back after Charlie died. Um, I didn't know how that was going to look. And uh, it was my therapist that finally had asked me the question like, you know, well, what's your God given, given gift? And immediately I said, writing, it just came out. And she said, well, what are you doing about that? You know? And I'm like, Hmm. And that kind of was the catalyst for me that set me on my journey to know that the way I needed or wanted to give back or was, was guide, I was guided to give back was through the written word. There's something about writing. I often connect writing to healing. It's so healing. Oh, absolutely. It is. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and I started with journaling, by the way. Prior to writing the book, I was keeping a grief journal, as many people do. Um, and, and that provided the um, kind of fodder, if you will, for, for my story as it unfolded. Um, yeah. I used my grief journals. For those who don't know yet, we'll be exploring that. But for a moment, Karen, talk to me about the inspiration and also the intention of writing your book, Love, Loss, Light, Illuminating the Path Through Grief. Well, you know, again, Valeria, my intention was, um, you know, I had read so many other right after he passed so many other authors um, books because I just was eating them up because I needed to know that I was going to survive this ordeal, this, this tragedy. And so, so when I, but when I was writing it, as I was writing it, um, I did have on my, uh, a friend, you know, this was really cool. I just, I had no attachment to the outcome. I just, in fact, this is, it was a note that said, I am the input. I am not the outcome. So my intention was just to do the very best that I could to share my story from my heart and get my book published. And truly the intention that I have had and still have was if I can help but one person through my sharing, uh, the sharing of my story, as they take their own unique path through their grief and loss, then my work on this planet is done. And, and that truly is the way I feel. So, um, you know, I was guided to write it in a very beautiful way. I wrote my story. I'm, I'm pleased that I did. I, I know it's helping people, but truly I, I, I'm very detached from the outcome still. <laughs> yeah, how wonderful. Wow. <laughs> and this is something that's not another practice that's not um, easy to do. No, I just let it go. You know, I put it out there in the world because I felt very much guided and compelled. And, um, and now that it's out there, it makes me really happy, it makes my heart very glad to know it's out in the world. Talk to me about the empowering 
life coaching business you have? Oh, yes. Well, I'm just beginning to uh, ramp that up. Actually, I just finished my training for um, uh, for, for life coaching and, and the uh, avenue that I wanted to concentrate on because everybody, you know, there's life coaching for businesses and for relationships. And because of my experience with loss and with grief, um, I really want to focus on helping folks who have experienced a loss of truly any kind. It doesn't necessarily need to be the loss of a person, uh, you know, it could be because, you know, grief comes from loss and loss comes from so many things. You could lose your home in a fire and that causes tremendous grief, you know, so, but I want to help folks who might be a little bit stuck or challenged uh, at a certain point on their path where, they're not able to step forward to fully embrace life again um, or, or the joy of life again, or they're just having doubts or fears. Um, so I want to, and I say empowerment coach, because especially when it comes to grief, you know, it can be very disempowering. It's very exhausting. Um, as I say in the book, the only thing that one has any sort of control over, which is a beautiful thing, um, is is how you are going to react to kind of, you know, what is laid upon your path. Um, and, but some people get, you know, hung up at certain parts on their, their journeys, which is completely normal and human and understandable. And I just want to be there to be the guiding light to help them through to reach the light at the end of whatever tunnel they're, they're ha they happen to be stuck in, to show them the way, to illuminate the way, and to give them, a, yeah, to empower them, yeah, to empower them to, you know, pick up their lives again and move forward as best they can. Yeah. And speaking of being stuck, that's interesting. I never heard of that before this way that you put it stuck in grief. What are the signs, Karen? What would be the signs? Well, you know, I think that I honor, first of all, I have to say this because it's so important. Um, I honor everybody. Everyone's journey through, through grief is truly their own and unique. And, and, and because only they, know what they lost and the love that they have for whatever, whether it was a person, an animal, a job or whatever, they're the only ones that understand the depth of that. It's unique to, to them. It's very unique. So their so their grief journey is completely unique. Um, but oftentimes I think that people can get a little bit lost. Um, you know, they can, well, for instance, if we're talking about the passing of a, of a loved one, um, they can get caught in the pain and suffering of it. They can, they can manifest, they, they can maybe that, and if they get lost there and they just are not wanting to kind of push through the wall of grief and try to try to walk around it, if you will, their grief oftentimes can manifest in very, um, harmful ways. It could be harmful to their physical health. It could be harmful to their family and friends. It could be, it could, it could manifest in all sorts of, of negative ways for themselves and for those around them. And, um, so those, you know, so that can't, you can get stuck in, 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 and also, you know, 
your grief can also be kind of a, a comfort zone. I know that sounds a little bit odd, but, you know, it creates a bubble kind of where you're so in this bubble of, of grief that all of a sudden your grief starts to feel comfortable and which is an interesting phenomenon. It did happen to me, but, um, and I think it happens to a lot of people where we get stuck in the bubble. We get stuck in the comfort zone. We don't want to move forward because it feels kind of okay to be where we're at. And we're so, we don't even know how to move forward. But I, as I say in the book, you mean a comfort zone is a really nice place to be, but nothing ever grows there. So, so I don't know if that answered the question, Valeria, but people, there are myriad of ways for someone to kind of get stuck in not so positive ways when they're uh, in grief. Self-destructive behaviors. Self-destructive, exactly. But, you know, it's not an easy thing to sit with your pain. Yes, right. Right. It's not easy to sit there with it and to make friends with it, you know, to welcome it, if you will. Yeah. Especially in the beginning stages, right, Karen? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's horrible. You just want to push it away. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You don't want it to be there. <laughs> in a way, is very natural for us human beings to do that. Just lean toward the comfortable, the happy, right? The feeling good. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yes. Yes, of course. You know, and, and, and that's another thing that of course is an, is a choice. You get to choose, you know, how you want to deal with it. But some people stuff their pain and their agony and their suffering so far down and they never quite deal with it. And they, they put on a, a front, if you will, that everything's okay when truly everything is falling apart <laughs> but because we they don't want to feel bad because our tendency as humans is you're right is to we always want to feel good and we and we tend towards those things that make us feel okay it's really it's i to be honest with you it sucks to to go to that place of of pain and and dire like absolute abject you know suffering you talk about a book that you came across that became a Bible for you, The Grieving Mindfully by, I think it's Samit M. Kumar. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Talk to me about that book, how you discovered that book and what you have learned from it. Well, I, I, I bless Dr. Kumar. What a beautiful human being he is. Um, he is a Buddhist himself. He is a healer. He's a doctor. He works with cancer patients and their families who are looking at the end of life. So he does a lot of grief work. But um, he was brought to me um, through, uh, well, I started to learn about mindfulness practice from a series uh, that it was called it's called the great courses people out there your listeners may be very uh much they might, might know about great courses um a flyer came into my mailbox and and there was one about mindfulness practice and and one of the tapes had to do with grief and this was at the very uh beginning stages of my grief process and journey and i learned about Sitting again, as we we're talking about sitting with my grief, sitting in the moment, being in the moment with it, being present with it uh, through these tapes that I was listening to. And then um, somehow I was guided on Amazon 
you know, I was, I was ordering books constantly about grief and loss. And I came across Dr. Kumar's and the greeting mindfully. And I just ordered it kind of in tandem with listening to these, these wonderful tapes on mindfulness practice. And, um, Everything he said in that book, Valeria, oh my goodness, I was so could understand of, you know, treating everything with equanimity, for instance, however it comes to you in your life, whether we label it good or bad, because we just label as humans, we do that. However it comes to you, whatever experience you're having, approach it with complete equanimity and mindfulness. And if you breathe into it and in the moment and stay there present, that one moment leads into the next, into the next and into the next. And you're treating it with balance. You're not labeling it good or bad. You're just experiencing it. And you're allowing for the experience. You're allowing to feel whatever way it is you're feeling, whatever that looks like, whatever you just allow and you just don't resist you surrender to it you just open your arms and say go with the flow take me along keep me in this moment because if I can reside here in each moment as it unfolds that will move me forward in my grief journey in a very healthy beautiful way from my experience too, yeah, the secret in a way, being stay in the moment. And the meditation is one of the gateways, maybe one of the doors to that practice. Yes, I agree with that. Yes, it's very important. Um, I do meditate as much as I possibly can. I I do my, you know, daily spiritual readings. And um, I, you know, again, it's a practice to stay in the moment. It's not easy. But let me tell you, Dr. Kumar, um, I can't say enough about his his book for me was the go to of the 40 books that I have read and I've subsequently read even more. Um, his was when I was, you know, desperate and on my knees and having those moments of just complete abject misery. I would pick up that book and it would bring me back to the present moment reminder and just and I would read his words and I would just be able to breathe through it, whatever I was experiencing. Would you say it's a great book for the uh, beginning stages of grief, if there are such a thing as stages? Do you believe that? <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was, you know, famous for, for talking about, I believe, the seven stages of grief. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, for me, I think that there are, you know, maybe well, two stages um, one being the acute stages, which is the beginning parts. And the beginning for somebody could be a whole year or two, you know. Acute grief can last a long, long time. And then I think that it does, um, over time, become what I refer to as subtle grief. And maybe I got that from Dr. Kumar's book. I do believe that that's how he um, identifies it. So for those people in acute grief, I think it's it's a great book for anybody who's just in grief, period, or who is struggling with a loss of any kind. It doesn't have to be, like I said, the death of a loved one. It could be just having experienced a profound loss of some kind that you're trying to grapple with and that you just need to make some sense of. Um, again, I think that his the his mindfulness practice, his Buddhist you know philosophies, which um, uh, you know again it's, it's a equanimity and you know the four noble truths and 
you know, there is suffering in life, but that we, you know, can, can work through it to the end, you know? So there are stages. Um, I think it's good for anybody who's in any, whatever, how you want to identify the stages of your grief. It's not about a specific time, right? It doesn't have any specific duration. Absolutely. That is so important for everyone. Of course, you know, grief has no timeline at all. It's, it's a, it's a spiral, you know, it's, it's not a fluid line. It's, it's a, in fact, Dr. It's a spiral staircase, you know, and you go up a few steps and then you're knocked back down and then you pick yourself up and you walk up a couple, but there's no top of the mountain really to get to, you know, there's no, there's no end of it really. It's just, uh, again, it's very fluid and you just have to surrender to it and allow it to take you where it wants to take you because grief knows where it wants to take you if you just let it. I love that, Karen. So grief is trying to take you somewhere, right? So allowing yourself. Yes. And it has so much to teach you if you just allow it, if you just allow. So it's, a, again, so much about my, my particular journey was about um, allowance, acceptance and surrender. Um, I think I indicate in the book, um, and maybe I shared with you, Valeria, I had all these affirmations on my refrigerator that I would just type up and hang. And the, the one that's still there after five plus years after my loss is allow what is to be. Allow what is to just be. Don't fight. Don't resist because that's the suffering. If you, whatever, um, if you resist the suffering that comes into your life and, and it will come into our lives, we're humans to allow it and to surrender to it and not fight the tide. It's like, like be the leaf on that, on that stream that's flowing downstream. It's going to get knocked into a few rocks. It's going to, but it finds its way and it doesn't resist. It just flows. It just takes you where you, you know, the stream will take you that leaf where it needs to be. You know, just just don't keep your elbows tucked in and your and your feet pointing downstream and and just go with it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's my best advice. <laughs> I love that. What a profound message for all of us. <laughs> and a reminder. So it has to do a lot with trust. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Faith and trust. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's the, you know, just the belief in, in, in what is unseen, but knowing that you're, you're guided and protected in every step of the way, every single step of the way that you are being held, guided, protected, and you're being brought to exactly where you need to be on your journey as a soul for your own soul's growth. And trust in that process. Trust it. And it's hard at times and you want to give up and say no. But if you can just go to that place of surrender, trust, faith and release, then, you know, life does unfold in miraculous ways if you just allow for it. And uh, in your book, you mention different kinds of healing methods. And I would like you to talk to me about the massage therapy. That's oh, an interesting yes. one. Yes. Do you know, Valeria, that, that her name is Laura. 
she's still the first one I had Edie was beautiful I I talk about Edie in the book she my my niece um my, my I missed I missed being touched by Charlie. I missed that physical touch when I lost Charlie. And, um, and my niece brought me to, um, a woman well, she found a woman, her name was Edie. She had lost her daughter a year prior to a drug overdose, which was so tragic, but she was a, a massage therapist and she was not able to find someone to come to her home to minister to her needs that way when her daughter died. So she decided that there was a need for others, and which I thought was so beautiful. So that was my the beginning. Um, she came to my home. She literally bathed my feet. I mean, it was beautiful. And here I was in acute grief at that time. This is just a couple of weeks after losing Charlie. And I was just crying and sobbing the whole time on the table. But it was such a, again, it, were, it was a release to have someone touch me and to, oh, it was so healing. And from that point forward, I became a very, very big advocate for myself. But I have since become for everyone who is experiencing any sort of difficulties in their lives is to have, is to have body work done is to, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's um, massage or um, it, even rolfing, which is very deep tissue. To me, it's a way for your body. It's a healing modality. It's not just a pleasurable thing. It's actually a way to uh, clear your lymph nodes. I mean, there there really are physical and emotional benefits that have been proven uh, to to uh, that 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 can be uh, derived from having your having your body massaged on a regular basis. Uh, and I still use now the, the woman I used and have for the last four plus years is Laura, and she comes to my home. Of course, now with COVID, it's a little bit more challenging. Um, that's not happening, but. Um, you know, so I'm missing that. But as soon as I can, I will get back to it. I really, truly uh, am a big proponent of of, of that. It's, it's, it just helps release and move your emotions around and release them. And it keeps your body healthier and stronger to be able to do that. Another method is the energy healing methods, Reiki. Talk to me for a moment about that, too. Yes. Well, you know, when... Um, for me, when, when, you know, cause Charlie and, and your listeners will probably know this at some point, you know, when Charlie took his own life, the trauma was so severe for me that I wasn't even sure if I was going to survive. Uh, and so I was desperate to try any modality of healing that I thought could help me. And again, the unfolding, I don't even remember how I came upon, um, the woman who, came to my home then and she was a she was a chakra she was a chakra energy healer she my you know from a spiritual sense when when the trauma hit my body all my chakras were were blown and and I was I couldn't even balance I couldn't walk straight um so she did some energy healing using her you know reiki and her crystals and was trying to help me uh, heal my chakras especially the sacral and the root chakras were completely completely annihilated by trauma and so I I used um I used energy healing for quite a while to to help me gain my um balance 
and to move my energy around and to start opening up my chakra um, energies again because they were completely shut down, completely. So that was a beautiful experience for me. And I'm also a big proponent of energy healing. I've done that quite a bit since Charlie passed. And you still recommend that, right? Karen? Absolutely. 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 It's a beautiful modality. It works. Um, I don't know much about how, but I, I trust again, I have faith um, that these healers come to you and they have their gifts of healing that, again, if you but allow it, you know, that you can gain tremendous benefit from from it. And I have, and I'm very, very blessed and grateful for that. And another interesting experience you had was with Trisha McKinnon. Oh, yes. Yes, Trisha. She's a, your listeners may want to look up her books. She's an amazing um, channeler, an angel person, and she channels angels. She's an intuitive. She's incredible. Uh, and it was just a coincidence that um, my dear friend, Logan, our dear friend, Logan, um, who lives um, in Boulder. Um, he married Charlie and I. He was Charlie's best friend and one of my dearest and best friends. And when he heard that Charlie had passed, when my sisters called him, he was devastated. But just by chance, Trisha was standing right next to him. She lives in Georgia. And she was here for just uh, a, 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 some sort of conference or something. I don't even remember what her reason was for being here. And she was leaving the next day. I mean, she was supposed to leave the next day. And and Logan, you know, and Trisha said to Logan, the minute he got the phone call, she said, what's going on? And she voluntarily said, I need to see her. I need to see her. I can help her. I could, I, I need to go. And so he brought Trisha over. It was, and again, I, my shock, see, I don't even remember Valeria if it was the first night or the second night. Cause I was still in shock. It was one of the two. Um, and it was an incredible experience. She, I had not found Charlie's letter to me yet. I was to find that the next day. And Trisha came right up to me and was just telling me, she channeled Charlie and was just telling me things that she could not possibly know at all that, that sure enough, when I did find Charlie's letter to me the next day, it very much, it, it, it validated everything she said. It, it clarified it. It was there in his words. And I was just amazed. She was a beautiful light. Um, she helped all of us that night because a lot of people were angry with Charlie she helped us channel uh, his energy to help him move to the other side in a beautiful way to help him go into the light. She assuaged a lot of the anger in the room. She 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 was a very calming and loving force um, for everybody, but especially me. And I think that it was a miracle because she left the next day to go back to Georgia. So it was a timing issue. And um I think she was the beginning. She, the unfolding of that was just this, the beginning of the way my whole journey began to unfold after that. It was a beautiful unfolding for me on a very spiritual and deep level. Do you also recommend that we consult with a uh, clairvoyant or intuitive psychic medium? 
You know, again, I think that we have to, as humans, be aware that there is so much more that we don't, there's so much that we don't understand or know. There's so many beautiful mysteries of life that, that are either here in the spiritual realm, but they come from beyond the, 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 the veil, but they're very present. They're very close. And all we have to do is tune in because they're here to guide us. They're here as beautiful beings of light to guide us on our way. And there are human beings who are gifted by the source, the one God, whomever, to uh, aid us in being more connected to that side, that part of our spiritual, you know, the spiritual presences. And and so I'm, an, again, a very big believer um, that there are beautiful healers that use um, mediumship or channeling um, to, to, uh, to help us on our journeys to, um, you know, yes, to, to guide us along the way, because uh, there's so much, we just don't, we can't figure out for ourselves. And I'm looking for as much guidance as I can get as I, as I'm experiencing this human experience. (laughs) You call the blessings of others. Oh, the blessing of others. Yes. Yes, we need to have the blessing, uh, the support group of however that looks for people. Um, you know, some people sadly don't have, uh, 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 you know, others to, uh, you know, to comfort them. Maybe they're alone. Maybe they have no family, you know. So, but there are ways, there are many um, grief support groups out there that I talk about in the book even online support. Um, a person doesn't have to shoulder their grief uh, alone. Um, again, unless they choose to, which is a choice and that's fine uh, because there are, you know, there are so many people out in, in the world that want to help if you just find them and ask. Um, but you, uh, for me, I think that you, you know, I relied a lot on other people to help shoulder my, my pain and my suffering and to bolster me. And I'm so blessed that I, that I was guided to, to the people and that I have those people in my life that were able to do that for me. I don't know what I would have done uh, truly w- without all of them. Every single one. Mm-hmm. Something that caught my attention, I thought it was extremely beautiful, is uh, in the blessings of patience. May you come to know grief, not as your enemy, but as a guide. I'm paraphrasing, I guess. Oh, um, thank you. (laughs) There, you talk about triggers and frustration. So talk to me for a moment about that. How, in the process, grieving, uh, how did they learn to to become more patient in facing triggers? Yes, well... Again, it's a matter of just allowing, you know, you, you, you probably know, you probably know what those triggers are going to be before they even happen. Oftentimes, although that's not always the case, that's easier with anniversaries, birthdays, the, you know, day of death, um, those, those that we anticipate are coming and that, you know, can, you know, we can prepare a little bit more for those. It's the ones that you're not prepared for so much, like, um, hearing a song, you know, on the radio that just takes you right back or takes you to your knees. Um, or in my case, it was, you know, just not even thinking, going to the grocery store and reaching for Charlie's favorite ice cream. 
and then realizing he wasn't there, you know, and it was, I couldn't even, I had to leave the store. So, um, uh, the grief, you know, the triggers are a part of um, the grief process. They're not something that you can avoid, nor should you want to. They're, they're, they are reminders, constant reminders that your loved one is no longer with you in the physical. Um, and again, I think it's a matter of just recognizing that this is going to happen and love yourself through them, shine the light of self-love and compassion on however it is you react to them, however that looks and whether it's in front of people who don't have a clue, because one minute you can be fine. And all of a sudden, another second, you, you could guess a trigger, something could trigger you. And they're like, what? You could be a puddle on the floor. And if that's what happens, then you just allow yourself to be a puddle on the floor. You know, there's no right or wrong way to work through a trigger. You just go with what you're feeling and um, and just uh, honor it and, you know, say welcome it. You know, we're not welcoming these moments of pain and suffering, but they are, um, they're just part of the journey that you really can't escape. And it's, again, there's, they don't go away. I, I don't think for me that I'll ever be able to you know, the holidays will always be different for me. Um, his birthday will always be different for me. The day of his death will always be a, a reminder. Um, they don't just disappear, but you just allow and just uh, and go again. You know, it's that leave, you know, go with the flow. Just don't resist it and allow yourself to feel and push through it and honor it. And it's all okay, and you'll get through it, and you'll be able to stand up again, and you'll be able to walk forward again. You know, it'll knock you down for maybe a little bit, but as time goes on, it doesn't keep you down as long as it does the first year or two. So it is still a challenge to open up and surrender and trust in the first year, you would say, right, Karen? Yes, Larry. I think the first year, of course, it's all of those, you know, all of those dates, right? All of the, um, you know, uh, the, the, what do you go, the, you're, you know, it's like a year, a year. It's like, everything is like, okay, his birthday's coming up. Okay. You know, now it's, you know, my birthday's coming up and he's not here. And now it's, you know, this day, our anniversary and he's not here. And, and you're almost like marking your calendar. It's like anticipating these, these, um, monumental dates where they're going to be such a reminder, sadly, that your loved one is no longer with you. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, you know, but again, you just process it and feel it and allow yourself to feel whatever it is you feel and be good with it. It's, there's no right or wrong way. It's all part of the process and it's all okay. Do you had any experiences or you still have, you have now of feeling Charlie's energies around you? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I can go for periods, long periods where I, I wonder where he is, you know, it's like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, you know, and I don't even know how or why or when, but then I feel him very, very strongly. Um, I, I, maybe it's a coincidence that Dio de los Muertos just passed by where, you know, they celebrate the dead and, and I, and I put an altar up and 
put, you know, pictures and, you know, actually I listed, I didn't have a lot of pictures, but I, I listed everyone's names who had passed in my life, all those precious people, including Charlie. And somehow his, his spirit, his energy came through. And I think it's still with me from, from I saw he, the veil is thin and he came through Valeria and I think he's still with me today. So, so that's, um, yes, it comes in waves where, um, now after five plus years, um, I may not feel it as much as I did initially, but I still feel it and I feel him and, and I still once in a while, even still dream about him, which is not something that was, um, often, but I will have a dream about him that are sometimes very, uh, very vivid, very vivid dreams. Wow, that dance, yeah, of life, right? Yeah, the connection that is that soul connection is never ever broken. You know, the love doesn't go anywhere. You know, it's always there, and he may not be here in the physical world, but he's always here. He's here in my heart always and for eternity. So um, there is still the bond. The connection never goes away with anybody that we love um, who passes. They're just, they're here. They're, they're very close by. We just can't see them. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Where would they go, right? That's yeah, we're right they're not very far away. <laughs> True. <laughs> I love what you said in your book, too. You said, it is our love that leads us to grief. But it is our grief that leads us back to love. How beautiful. What is the best way from your experience to support someone who is grieving, who is in grief? The very best way, the very, very best way in my experience is just to ask the person if they, if you can sit with them, well, again, this is all, you know, not in a COVID world, but, but if you can physically sit with somebody, if you can just ask them, what can I do for you right in this moment? Is there anything that I can do? That's all you need to do is just ask them, what can you do for them? And if it's nothing, they'll tell you, if it's something they'll tell you, if they want you to go away, they'll tell you. But the best thing you can do is just be present for them every step of the way. If they want to call you at three in the morning, just tell them, call me at three. Just I'm here for you. However, I can be present for you during this time. I'm here. And that's all they you need to know. You know, for me, that's all I needed to know is that I have people that I I could rely on to help me shoulder the pain and didn't judge me. Didn't, you know, they, they just listened. My mom was my mom. I write about her in the book. I mean, I had all oh, my mom. Uh, she listened to me every day for years um, and held the space for me. And I think that's all we can do is hold the space for somebody and be present for them as they're grieving. And keep asking that question, right? Yeah, just always and knowing, you know, because it's, again, not linear. They're going to have, this could be years. You know, I still have friends saying, how are you making out? You know, they're, they know the holidays or whatever, you know, or if I feel, if I have to tell a friend, you know, hey, you know, I'm really, geez, I'm struggling, you know, uh, I'm, I'm having a resurgence of grief. Uh, it's just coming back around and they'll say, well, let's talk about it. You know, it's just to be present for someone because it's not like there's a beginning and an end to grief that's not the way our grieving um 
works at all. It's it's a very it's a spiral. It's a spiral, an ongoing spiral. So it somehow it changes, transforms, but doesn't really yes. go away. No, exactly. It never goes away. It just trans, it trans, you transmute it, you know, and and, 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 and and it's transformative, you know, because it does transform you. But no, you, you never really, again, there's no, like I say in the book, there's no reward. There's no, um, you know, at the end, the finish line where, you know, you cross the finish line and somebody goes, okay, okay, Karen, well, you did great. Here's your gold medal. You know, that's not the way of grief and grieving. It's a very fluid experience and it's, um, you know, it's an unfolding and it, and it's just something that you, you know, as a human being that is going to, you know, you can't have love without loss and you can't have loss without love. It's, they're interchanged, you know, they're, they're, they're connected, they're symbiotic. Um, and that's the beauty of the human experience is, is that you, you have, if you have all this love in your heart and then you have the loss, it's going to hurt <laughs> and you have to just be okay with it and say, you know what? I would rather have, it's the old adage, that old saying, I'd rather have loved and lost and never to have loved at all. I mean, that's so true because life is all and only about love and experiencing it and giving it and receiving it. And yeah, it hurts when, you know, when you lose it in the physical realm. Um, but, but it transcends even, even death, you know, it's the reason why we're all here. So you can't have the loss. You can have the love without the loss. You just can't. So true. In order to lose, we have to have, yeah, we have had. Yeah. I say, bring it on Valeria. That's why I say, bring it on. You know, if I have to have a lot of loss in my life, which I have already, and probably will have more if I'm gifted with longevity, then, then at the end of my life, I can say, well, gee, that means that I, you know, loved and was loved tremendously. And what better gift is that? That's, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. How amazing to come to this understanding after experiencing what you have experienced, what you are experiencing, and you still find that joy, that deeper uh, appreciation for life itself. Oh, thank you, Valeria. I, I'm not doing this alone, though. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not working solo. I can tell you that. I. I have a lot of you know people both on the 3D you know this plane, and then a lot of beautiful guides and angels and you know and and beings and God and you know source on the other side. Um, so I feel very very held and protected and loved, and I feel like I'm you know definitely. Uh, a lot of grace has been um, shown upon me, you know, since Charlie died. Yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful. Very grateful. Yeah, it is. It comes across that way. Yeah, the way you express yourself about mm -hmm. everything. Gratitude. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's big. <laughs> big. I agree. That's huge. <laughs> yes. And that has everything to do with love, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. 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 I, I think that. Um, you know, and uh, I was going to read a, I don't know if I have time even for an excerpt, but I, but it was talks about gratitude, but, um, uh, I was going to read a, a short excerpt, but only if you have time, Valeria, but it does talk. You sure? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. cause it does talk about what mm. I feel, you know, grief helps with, but, um, so this is, um, from the blessing of moving forward, um, from page 191 in my book. 
so here we go. It's one day we wounded warriors will return from our dark days in exile. We will have grown tired and weary with fatigue after a long and mighty battle. And we will leave this battle behind. What we will carry forward in our hearts is the reason we fought in the first place. We will carry our undying love for the one who has died, for them and for all who went before them and to all who will come after. We will return home a different person than the one who'd set off to war. Our time away in the interior world will have imbued within us greater wisdom, courage, forgiveness, acceptance, allowance, and gratitude and far more love and compassion for ourselves, for others, and for our world than we ever dreamed possible. We will reach for that light, and we will turn it on, and we will bask again, once again, in the glory of life. How wonderful. Your book is incredibly beautiful in so many ways. Oh, you gave me chills. Thank you so very much. That means everything to me. Um, thank you again. That is, uh, see, this is when I get chills. I know it's, it was all divinely uh, inspired. It, it just, it, it flowed through me. It came out of me. It was uh, a divine intervention, if you will, or a divine hand was, was at work here. <laughs> thank you. And I love the way you formatted the book too, the blessings of surrender, silence, nature, forgiveness, all this. Just by reading those lines, it just uplifts the soul. It's incredibly inspiring. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My work, I, like I said, I feel like my work here is really done. I I feel like there's a completion to this and it's a, a beautiful feeling um, and, and that it honors Charlie in such a way and it makes his loss um uh, you know, mean so much more, uh, just, just so much more. He, he, that it's a way of, um, giving back It's giving back after loss. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's, I call the, the legacy of the soul. Right? Wow, that is... That's beautiful. I love that Valeria. Yeah. The legacy. This is Charlie's leg legacy. Yeah. That's how we know the mystery of life, the behind the scenes. We don't see the other side, but it's here now doing the work. Right? Absolutely. Oh, there's no doubt. Absolutely. And, you know, if I if I didn't believe that um, and if I didn't have that knowing almost instantaneously after he passed, I don't know if I would have been able to get up off that floor of Valeria that day. I don't know if I would have. So this is what keeps me strong and you know, to try to be centered and balanced and grounded is my spiritual practice. I don't know what I would do without it. So I have a few more questions for you. Two more questions, Karen. Before that, would you like to add anything or read another poem or another passage? Well, um, let me see here. Uh, well, I, I could read another passage really fast. It doesn't have to be fast. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. I just want to see what chapter. This is from The Blessing of Acceptance. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here we go. Grief tears us apart so that we can recreate ourselves. But the person we create is entirely up to us. We, all of us, are the choices we make. We can choose to let our grief defeat us or let it elevate us. We can choose to become angry and embittered by our loss or we can choose to, to surrender to it, heart, mind, body, and soul, and let it take us where we need to go. We can choose to resist it, or we can choose to allow it to peel back all the layers of our pain and suffering so that something beautiful and unique can be revealed. Loss can bring us closer to death or closer to life. 
It can, it can bring us closer to the dark or closer to the light. It can vanquish us or resurrect us. It is our choice every step of the way. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body yourself, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? You know, I, my initial reaction to that is to say no, because my true belief is, is that my life, um, as I believe all lives, uh, unfold exactly how they are meant to unfold every single step of the way. So for me to have any notion that I'd want to go back and correct something or guide it in a different direction or have made different choices in the ones that I have made to get me to into this this present moment right now, as I am speaking these words to you, Valeria, no, I, I am content. I am, I am in the knowing that I am exactly where I am supposed to be right now. And that everything leading up to this moment is exactly what was supposed to happen to get me here. And my last question is, what are three things about life, you know, for sure, as of now? Well, you know, um, again, I think that that I know life for sure is a gift. I think that it's a treasure trove of experiences um, that are meant to be had for the evolution of the soul. And that life is always and only about love, the giving of and the receiving of. That's it. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank oh, you for Valeria, thank you. Uh, your presence, beautiful presence, your wisdom, message, your work, your, your amazing book. I, I'm in love with your book. <laughs> I have to go back again. <laughs> I, I love reading your book. I only read one of them so far, but Fit for Joy. Uh, I, your journey was so fascinating and also challenging, Valeria. Um, yes. So thank you for your gift, uh, all the gifts that you're bringing to the world. I have one more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay. Well, you can find me at uh, www.karentrench.com, and that'll take you to my book website. Uh, my coaching website is in progress. Um, but that said, I, you know, I am available to coach. I just don't have everything set up logistically or technically yet. Um, but when I do get that set up, people will be happy to know that I am offering one half hour free discovery phone call with them. Um, cause we want to make sure that, you know, we're, it's like a first date that we're a right match. Um, so if, if anybody is interested in that right now, um, they can reach me at either, uh, my email through my, my book website, um, which is karentrench.com, or they can email me at um, Karen Trench, my name, K-A-R-E-N-T-R-E-N-C-H, 0512, it's actually 0512 at outlook.com. And they can just reach me that way uh, to, to um, find out more about my empowerment coaching through loss. Once you have that set up, we have the coaching information, please send it to me too. Oh, I will, Valeria. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I expect to have that within the next couple of weeks. So um, I'm just kind of, I'm writing it myself and I have my marketer doing the, the layout. So we're close. We're very close. So I'm excited about offering uh, that service to, 
to folks. I feel guided to be, you know, that's the next step. I'm, I'm not, I have not been guided yet to write another book, but I feel that there is one definitely in me. I just need to wait to, to know what I'm supposed to be um, giving, giving to the world in my next book. So I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear. <laughs> yeah, I love the way you say that, guided, right? Waiting to be guided. Waiting know? to be guided, Beautiful. yeah. Thank you so much again, Karen, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Larry. It was such an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Karen Trench and her work, please visit karentrench.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.